Hi, everyone. My name is Greg, and welcome back to the podcast, My First Season. In this podcast, I interview travel writers and people who work for resorts, hotels, cruise ships, and airlines, and we'll talk about their experience in travel and tourism. My guest today and I have uh, never worked together before. We met through a mutual friend online, of course. His first season was in Cancun in July of 1995 as a sailing geo. He is from Miami, Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone, please help me welcome Mr. Larry Katz. Larry, how are you, sir? Hey, Greg. I'm good. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for being here. So uh, we have a mutual friend, Shannon. She said uh, you'd be perfect to interview. I looked you up. You agreed. So I'm very happy that you agreed to come on. And uh, we're going to get into your, your first season, if that's okay with you. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. So if you can take me back to uh, where, were you in Miami? Were you going to school? Were you working? And then how did you find out about Club Med? Who first introduced the idea to you? So, uh, you know, I was kind of on, I guess, what you would call a traditional track. You know, I went to high school and went to university after that. And uh, they asked me at 18 years old, what do you want to do the rest of your life? And uh, business sounded like a pretty good answer, you know, kind of a broad base, uh, because the answer really was, I, I don't know. And uh, so I went to uh, university in Arizona, and then I transferred back to University of Florida and um, I spent about five years in college altogether and never really uh, applied myself or enjoyed my studies. I, I enjoyed partying and hanging out and, uh, well, I was and, gonna, I was and being say, with my friends. I was going to say, you went to the two top party schools. If, I'm, you know, if, if the Playboy ratings are correct, <laughs> uh, Arizona and the Florida State are very, very big on parties, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that part of uh, college was great. Um, but the classes and the studying and that part, I never really, uh, you know, was able to get myself invested in it because I didn't enjoy what I was studying. I was bored. And so, um, but I did manage to graduate. You know, I like uh, went across the stage and shook the hands with the president of the university and they handed me this, uh, you know, a diploma holder. And I looked in there and it was in there and I was like, they can't take this back. Right. Like I actually scraped by. And, uh, so, you know, mission accomplished on that thing you're supposed to do, go to high school, go to college. Uh, and then I was, uh, trying to decide what to do next. And I had a family friend, uh, who suggested club med, although nobody in my family had ever actually visited a club med. I had never stepped foot on uh, club med, nor had the guy who suggested it. But, uh, growing up in Miami, um, my summer job was always uh, teaching sailing on Hobie cats, you know, in Miami and Biscayne Bay. So, uh, and, you know, unlike studying business at college, you know, sailing Hobie cats was really fun and I was really into that. And so, uh, you know, got to hand it to this guy for, uh, his name's Bob for, you know, helping me decide to take a less traveled path. And so uh, I applied to Club Med and uh, the human resources was just up in Port St. Lucie. Uh, and so I drove up there and had an interview with uh, Jennifer Steidel, who was doing recruiting at that time. And in the interview, I'm sure, you know, one of the questions is, uh, would you be willing to dress up like a banana and run around the restaurant being chased <laughs> by somebody else dressed up like a gorilla? <laughs> and I said, uh, yes, I would very much like that. And so there was a, 
uh, a need at that moment for geos in Cancun. And uh, Jan called me like just like a week later and said, uh, you're lucky because there's geos that wait a long time to get an opportunity to go to Cancun and that's going to be your first spot. And so, uh, you know, that was it. Packed my bags. Okay. Could I back you up a little bit here? Uh, sure. What, what age were you when you started sailing? Uh, I, I, I started sailing in uh, summer camp, probably uh, 11 or 12. And uh, windsurfing had just become a thing. And, uh, I, and I actually, you know, got into that as well. I never got really good at it. But, you know, I, I did uh, understand the wind, at least. And so, you know, that, then uh, the summer camp that I learned... I just started hanging out there, even though I wasn't old enough to like even have a job or anything like that. And so the next summer I just hung out at the sailing shack, you know, with the guys and became uh, you know, like a junior instructor and then uh, just hung out at that same spot. And uh, for five or six years, that was my summer job, you know, basically uh, being a sailing geo and uh, you know, operating a rescue boat. And so, you know, armed with that actual real experience, you know, when I came in for to interview, it was uh, obviously a good fit on that side of it. Okay. I'm just going to go back to sailing again. Cause I also say so I was 23. I'm sorry. I was, uh, Oh no, sorry. I was 23 when I, when I got hired for club men, I was 23 when I got hired to work for club men. Okay. Yeah. So I, I sail, I windsurf. So, and you mentioned something about, you knew wind. So, so, so when you go from sailing to windsurfing, uh, it's relatively easy to go upwind on a Hobie cat. So how, so how long did it take you to actually windsurf, like to co- go out and come back, you know, go up? Well, uh, you know, and, and it, admittedly, I'm not good at it. Okay. You know, I, I did not get uh, hired as a windsurfing geo. Okay. I can like tack, I can beach start, I can hit you know, one out of 10 water starts, you know, so (laughs) I did, I did not put in the hours, you know, I could, I maybe have, you know, done a couple of jibes in my life, but, you know, as a kid, I was really, uh, you know, persistent and relentless. And no matter how many times I fell, you know, uh, my mom would just, you know, drive downwind and pick me up, you know, a mile and a half downwind. And, uh, you know, (laughs) but I, you know, with, uh, uh, with, with a, uh, windsurf with a centerboard, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And so when you were giving these, uh, lessons, sailing lessons, how long on average did it take you to teach someone how to sail? Like, did it take a couple lessons or could you do it, teach them in an hour? I'm talking about before club med. I'm just curious. Cause I'm going to ask you leading up to, and then say you had a really busy day at the beach in Cancun. How long did you have to, like, could you train someone to sail in 10 minutes as opposed to an hour? When I worked at the summer camp, uh, you know, obviously it was like two or three week session with, you know, teenage kids and they were able to really, you know, absorb a lot of all the theory and even racing and all that stuff. You know, when we would have people come rent the Hobie Cats, you know, I could definitely, uh, I could do an hour lesson. I could do chartered uh, lesson, like a half day. And so I had a pretty good uh, spiel you know, so I could do it in a, in a range of different, in different ways, you know, and also, you know, obviously it depended on the, what the conditions were, you know, maybe it's not good conditions for a, a 15 minute, you know, quickie lesson, but you know, there's uh people that ad- admit that they uh, have learned how to sail, but hadn't done it in a while. And usually with just like a little quick refresher, uh, if that, if it's true, what they said, then, uh, you know, 
they could figure it out. In your interview with Jennifer, besides the uh, dressing up as a banana, did she uh, tell you about the famous uh, working seven days a week, no day off, uh, 12 to 16 hours a day? Did that come up, come up at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, oh. You know, they, they definitely don't want to, you know, surprise anybody with that uh, <laughs> revelation. So, yeah, I had my, uh, I had my eyes open and I was, uh, you know, really looking forward to that challenge because uh, in college – you know, I was just really lazy, you know, I was unmotivated. Uh, I was uh, hung over a lot and stayed up late. And so, uh, you know, I was, I, I didn't, I didn't like that, you know, and so I was excited for the challenge of, uh, you know, a whole different way of life. And when Jennifer said uh, a lot of people wait a long time to get to Cancun, did you know what she was talking about or three? Cause you had just been to Sandpiper. So did you think they were all the same? Did you know there were single? No, I, had, I, no I mean, I had, I hadn't even been to Sandpiper that, oh. you know, the a HR was like, you know, a building, like I didn't see the club. I didn't see okay. anything until I arrived in uh, Cancun. You're kind of thrown yeah. just like in the deep end, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, there was a, uh, you know, some orientation materials and stuff like that. But yeah, she explained that that Cancun was a singles village and that uh, and a party place. So I knew and uh, I, I realized that was probably a, would have been my preference if I had a, a choice, you know. So, okay. So your first, your first week's going along and you're meeting the sailing team. Uh, do you remember, do you remember? I know 95 is quite a while away, but do you remember uh, huh. it was like your first week? Oh yeah, man. Totally. You know, some, uh, for, you know, first of all, I was, I was told to, when I arrived to introduce myself to the chef de village. And so I don't, I didn't speak any French. And so I was confused. I thought I was supposed to go to like the restaurant and meet the chef that like cooked the food. <laughs> I was like, why, why do I need to meet the chef? Okay. I guess whatever chef de village, you know, I, I arrived and, uh, I think I, it wasn't like a big arrival. It was, a, uh, you know, a, uh, a smaller arrival. And so there, you know, I don't, I don't even think there was like anybody specifically waiting for me, but there was a couple of geos that were there and I remember meeting them and I even, you know, I'm still friends with them to this day and correspond with them to this day, you know, from 1995. And, uh, and, you know, they really uh, embraced that I was so new, I was so pale too, you know, it was so white, and uh, just like no clue, but I was uh, excited and I was ready. And uh, it was, you know, it was mid season. So the whole team had been working together. And everybody was, you know, in like mid stride. And so, you know, it was just, uh, it was kind of awkward that, to be inserted in, in that. And, you know, the reason that I got hired was there was a drug scandal, okay, in, in Cancun with the cab drivers. And so uh, th there were some GOs that were really like in, in bad, having bad problems, you know, because of that. And so it was so out of control that they had to fire, you know, like uh, maybe um, 10 or more GOs at once that were in this scandal that were, you know, in danger with their own health and obviously not representing the club in, in the, in the right way at that moment. So, uh, you know, that was, um, really strange, uh, atmosphere to step in. And especially some of the people that, that had to leave were very popular and they were loved and they were great people. And so I was replacing, you know, a, a, a experienced, and well-liked, uh, you know, person. It's always better to replace somebody that sucks. It's much easier to replace somebody that sucks. 
to play somebody that everybody loves. So, you know, all that stuff kind of uh, made it more awkward and more difficult. But for overall, you know, I felt pretty accepted. And, uh, you know, I met the sailing team. And uh, again, like those guys that were on that team at that moment, we're still connected on Facebook. I could still reach out to them and, uh, and share a funny story or an anecdote. And, uh, you know, for the first couple of weeks, it was just like, holy crap, you know, there's so much to absorb. There's so much to learn. I, I, I didn't know what a crazy sign was or nor had ever done one. And, you know, in Cancun at that time, it was like 45 minutes of like high intensity, you know, uh, like choreography. That was the crazy science after the show. And it was July in Cancun. Yes. And so, uh, in, our cor- in our correspondence yeah, before the interview, you said you arrived just before Bastille day. So that's actually one of my questions because I, I arrived, you know, my first season right before Bastille day, didn't know what Bastille day was. So did you, did you know what the heck was going on on uh, July 14th? <laughs> no, 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 man. I, I was not uh, plugged into uh, French culture or, uh, anything, you know, I had visited, you know, Europe with my family and I'd been to France and we had French friends, you know, so I had heard the accent, you know, before, but no, I, I had no clue. Uh, and you know, they were having like a boat race. The geos had to build a, a boat and race from the beach to the lagoon, you know? And so I, I came in the middle of all that. And I was like, does this happen every week? Like what's going on? You know, uh, it was, you know, it was definitely a lot to, uh, to absorb. Okay. Do you uh, recall who the chief of village was when you arrived? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. This, his name was Yves Le Bon and okay. uh, you know, he's a really tall guy, really gangly. Uh, and, you know, I'd been with the club for a hundred years and uh, you know, so I finally did meet him. Uh, you know, uh, you know, somebody told me that I wasn't supposed to meet like the chef in the restaurant. They, somebody explained to me what the chef de village was. And so, I think it was actually outside the restaurant. He was greeting everybody. And so I marched up and uh, introduced myself to him. And the, the, the absolute first thing that he ever said to me was cancer. And my name is Larry. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And so, uh, you know, there's a really famous uh, club med uh, bit called Float On. And it's like a Motown song. And, uh, you know, that uh, it's an old lip sync thing that they would do in some of the shows and one of the lines in the song is cancer and my name is larry but i didn't know that at the time and i was like what the hell is this guy talking about <laughs> you know what the story would have been so much more perfect if you actually had introduced yourself to the chef and he'd be looking at you like <laughs> hi, cancer, larry. My name is larry. or yeah. no hi i'm larry <laughs> that, thanks for the beef bourguignon you know? <laughs> <laughs> where's your hat <laughs> yeah after a few weeks, did you want to stay in sailing? Like, I know you, so you, you're, you're getting a look at what the other uh, people are doing, the land sports, the circus, whatever. Did you want to stay in sailing? You were happy? There? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I loved it. I loved it. I loved, uh, you know, being going to the beach every day. And I loved uh, carrying the sailboats around because I got in amazing shape. I mean, it was just like such a challenge. And all the other um, services, you know, they would have to do other stuff during the day. But sailing, you know, we were open all day long. So, you know, we, you know, I didn't get called to do like, you know, ping pong tournament or other stuff. Uh, and that was fine with me. You know, some of that stuff, you know, wasn't, wasn't my favorite, you know, I could do without, you know, 
gang of eight and uh you know like uh ping pong tournament and stuff like that like so i was happy to be on the beach and i thought it was the coolest job in the whole village you know we were the beach guys and uh you know we were the muscular guys and tan guys and uh i i loved it man i loved the you know the rescue boat and cruising around on the rescue boat you know that no there was nothing else that i ever wanted to do at club med than uh work on the beach like that so i'm, I'm taking it uh when you arrived you you were not much of a dancer or you were a dancer no no i mean I, i'm i still wouldn't say that i'm much of a dancer but no i had not uh tried to learn choreography before you know what i mean like so when you were approached so, by the choreographer to do the show uh what did you say Oh yeah. I wanted, I wanted to, uh, you know, that, uh, like part of the interview and the orientation, you know, again, that was very clear that that was an expectation. And, uh, I was, you know, I'm not shy about going on stage and, uh, you know, so I was excited about that and I did my best, you know, I really tried my best and I was not the worst one, uh, but I was not like on the front row, but I really enjoyed it and I, um, appreciated it. You know, I, I quickly like bought into the whole club med concept, you know, like I got it. I really got it. You know, like, you, you know, you're, you, you're friends with the people that work there. And so, you know, when they see me up on stage, they're not expecting that I am good at dancing. They're like, oh my God, there's that guy that taught us sailing today. And then we had lunch with him and he's up there dancing. You know, that's great. You know, we love that. We want to support that. And you know, uh, so I did the best that I could, but I, I was not good at dancing. I don't think. Well, it's hard to memorize uh, intricate dance steps at midnight. I always say, but okay. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tried so, my best. Then. So other than the, the French, I guess, Europeans, did you have any kind of culture shock when you, when you got there? No, I mean, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, just kind of raised up, uh, in, in, uh, inclusive uh, household and we you know like I said we traveled to Europe and so I was you know open to whoever whatever uh, you know it was really awesome and I, I appreciated it even at the time uh, what a what a special kind of education that I was getting and how how um, how far ahead I would be of my friends that never, you know, experience anything like that, you know, to be sitting at a lunch table at, you know, 23 or 24 years old with like a elderly gay Japanese couple and some Italians and, you know, French people and, uh, you know, it, and to try to like, you know, create a flow and a conversation with everybody and to do it like, you know, to look forward to that, you know, to look forward to sitting down and, and seeing who you're going to meet. So it was, uh, it wasn't a shock, but it was, it was really awesome. And I, I, I think I appreciated it at the time. And now I really appreciate how formative that was, you know, like in my life to be having those experiences and to be exposed to this just like rainbow of people, you know, just awesome. Well, so you mentioned eating meals with the guests. So were you uh, always an extrovert before Club Med or did you, uh, just, uh, or were you a bit shy? I mean, no, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I don't think, shy i'm not like uh the first one that's gonna walk into like a party and you know uh, but it, i don't i don't know there was something about it that you know that was the job to do that and uh i don't know just at that time like it was such a good fit for me i hadn't, I hadn't i wasn't shy but i had never 
had opportunities like that, you know? Um, and, you know, now uh, I'm a, a college teacher right now, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that, you know, later, but uh, to be now I'm around kids that are the same age as when I started that. And I want to, you know, really encourage them to, you know, expand their horizons and, you know, try to have, uh, you know, diverse uh, experiences with, you know, diverse people. Cause it really, I think uh, really kind of shaped that part of me. Did you have time to learn any new skills while you were there? I mean, I know you're busy at the beach, but was there a sport that you had never tried before that you were able to learn? No, I mean, you know, I, I guess I, I really could have dedicated more bandwidth to that. As you mentioned uh, at that time, back in my day, uh, it was seven days a week. And, uh, you know, that's what I tell geos when I meet them now. I'm sure they hear it from all of us old geos. You know, literally it was seven days a week, you know, all day long. And so, it, you know, to it, it would have really taken a, away from sleepy time or nappy time or, you know, uh, whatever to, to do that. Um, you know, I would go, I think I did the flying trapeze maybe like three or four times, like the whole time I worked at club net and I would go on the snorkeling trips and, uh, but, uh, got really good at teaching sailing and, and windsurfing and, uh, and choreography (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) and schmoozing, you know, uh, actually my girlfriend calls working at club med schmooze university. Cause, uh, you know, that's where I learned how to be able to walk up to anybody and figure out how to communicate with them. Okay. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to, yeah, Cancun 95, what were the, what were the top crazy signs back then at 95? Do you recall? Or do you call uh, any, there call was like a, like? there was like a CNC music factory one. Uh, you know, there was a YMCA obviously is a, is a very uh, pervasive through all the seasons that I did. You know, <laughs> if there was one that, uh, you know, that you always did, uh, it was that one. You know, there was uh, a lot of uh, jock jams, you know, from th- that old CD jock jams. Y'all ready for this? That, that kind of stuff, man. And uh, Macarena was hanging out. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. But like I said, I mean, at Cancun, and I've never went to another club where it was that long and the whole, you know, the, 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 uh, the area was like full. People were into it. They were doing it. They knew all the moves, you know, by the end of the week. And did you enjoy doing it at that 45 marathon session on elegant night when it was uh, 85? Out? <laughs> I did, man. I did. What? I really, really did. Like I okay. was, I was, I was like, I was there every night. I really liked it. You know, I really like uh, embraced you know, all of it. Were there any employees or managers that stood out to you uh, that first season that made a good impression on you that you were? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Fred, Fred from sailing, uh, was the uh, chief of sailing. Uh, he's a French dude. Fred Colette is his name. And, um, he was just such an awesome manager. Like he, uh, he just like, he separated himself. He knew that, you know, you have to lead by example. So, he was fun and he, we would have drinks and stuff like that. But, you know, he was always the first one at the shack. He really, uh, you know, wouldn't, you know, would never get like crazy out of control party. You know, he would go to bed like sooner, you know, a little bit earlier than everybody. 
and so, you know, it, it was, he was really, you know, amazing to have as a first uh, manager. And I really learned a lot from him and we stayed in touch, you know, which is, uh, which wasn't easy then because we're both still working at the club. You know what I mean? There was no internet. So, uh, you know, we managed to stay in touch and then uh, he requested me subsequently a few years later in uh, Watulco. And so we did another season together then, and, and it was great. And then actually uh, the last season that I did au pair in paradise Island was with him uh, again, he was the chief of sailing there again. And so, you know, what a great connection to make right at the beginning. And, you know, he's from Normandy. So he's just freaking French as you can possibly be. And so uh, he, he could help me and, we, you know, learned a lot from each other and he loved uh, Guns N' Roses, you know. And so, uh, you know, like I said, we're still, I still see him on Facebook like every day. And it makes me really happy to, uh, you know, to know that he's out there and that we have this really cool connection. Yeah, you mentioned you still stay in touch with some of the gang from Cancun. So <clears throat> do you have any uh, funny, clean, appropriate stories, uh, a story you could share with us? Uh, it doesn't have to be funny, but as uh, long as it's clean or appropriate that uh, I don't <laughs> Some, something happened on a snorkeling trip, you know, I mean, some typical first season, like, oh, uh, I, can't well, I yeah, you know, I goofed doing this. Uh, well, yeah, um, as long as it's, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like, I think like the first week I was there, I met uh, a girl, uh, a GM and, uh, you know, we were, you know, just like, we had a great week together and we were hanging out and, uh, you know, I probably didn't play it as cool as a more seasoned uh, geo, you know, like not, not as on the down low, you know, you know, it wasn't shady or like uh, it wasn't scandalous or anything. It was really fun, you know? And, and so when it, when she went to leave Eve, the, the chief of village, like grabbed her and grabbed me and like walked us behind the bus, you know, so that we could say goodbye. Uh, and all the geos were laughing and stuff. And so, um, you know, it's just, uh, it, like I said, it was good hazing, uh, because I was so green. I was such a rookie, but everybody was really cool about it. You know, um, in Cancun, there's the lagoon side and then there's the ocean side, you know? And so we had a rescue boat and windsurfing had a rescue boat and snorkeling had a rescue boat and scuba had a rescue boat. And so on Mondays, after we were done with work, we would all take the rescue boats to a uh, this um, like convenience store that had a dock called the Deli, and uh, all the geos from all those teams would meet up at the Deli. Go, we would go and buy chips and bottles of uh, Añejo, um, you know, uh, Bacardi, and we would just hang out. And, and then uh, you know we'd jump back in the boats, drive back to the village because it was fashion show night. And so we were all like gross from working all day and dank stink of rum. And we go and get in these brand new clothes from the boutique. And uh, we do the fashion show, like stumbling up and down the, the, uh, the runway. And uh, it was just so fun, you know, and, you know, we were, everybody was more than buzzed, but holding it together and funnier and, uh, you know, the GMs appreciated it. It wasn't like out of control, but, you know, it was just, that was like every Monday that we would all meet up at the deli. It was awesome, man. And, uh, 
you know, there's, there's, there's another guy, James Melia, who I met that season and another guy named Kevin McGilvray. And we're really close still, you know, now that I'm talking to you and I'm thinking about it, like that was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, James Melia is, you know, one of my best friends still to this day, you know, so, uh, what, a what an amazing uh, decision and how blessed I am for, you know, the way that, uh, that it went down. You mentioned before that there was no internet 95, which yes, we all know, but were you a news junkie before Clement? Did you feel cut off like from everything? Uh, no, I was, I wasn't a news junkie and I didn't care at oh, all. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a film fan. And so it was a little weird not to see movies when they came out. You know, there's a couple of years of movies that, uh, you know, I, you know, I missed out on when they first came out. And so that was, uh, uh, if, if anything, but, uh, you know, the being cut off part, like that was not a problem for me. As your season comes to an end, because you mentioned you went, you went to Watuko with Fred after Cancun, correct? No, that was a few seasons later. Okay. So what, ha- uh, so what happened? Uh, how long were you in Cancun actually? So, uh, you know, like we said, I got there July, uh, beginning of July. And then the season was, uh, was ending, I guess, uh, around um october yeah uh october and so you know everybody was moving on and uh so yeah i i did decide to do another season and the assignments were coming in and people were getting assigned to this village or to that village and uh i got assigned to paradise island in the bahamas and uh so i did some research on it and it wasn't you know, specifically a singles village, but it also wasn't a kids village. It was a kind of a couples and, you know, older village. And so I uh, decided to move on to there and maybe like one or two other people from Cancun also got moved to Paradise Island. Was that one of your choices or you, or you didn't get any of your choices? No, I don't even remember. I mean, you know, I'd just been there a couple of months. So I don't think they asked me if I had a choice. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You go where we send you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I think that was the, uh, you know, when you're, when your first season going into your second season, it's like, you know, yeah, you're going where we tell you. Did you meet any uh, celebrities at all at any of the uh, villages you worked at? Uh, well, Paradise, Paradise, Paradise Island was a big um, tennis uh, village. And so Pam Shriver was a tennis pr- uh, player that I had, heard of but uh besides that no nothing that i can really recall of all the uh, the seasons you've done uh, so including your first one do you put the word uh, or do you use the word magical like was was your first season magical because it was your first one or are they just all special in different ways yeah no yeah i would say they were all they're all special in different ways and i've got like i said uh friends from every season i've got stories i've got photo albums from every season and i can look through them and uh you know just get snapped right back to to, uh to those places was it hard working your first uh, i'm guessing you were in paradise for new year's eve so was it hard working your first new year's Uh, no man no not at all it was great i mean it was freezing cold though uh i didn't who even knew that it could get that cold in the bahamas but uh for (laughs) for christmas and for new year's it was like freaking 40 degrees you know so uh, but no, it was, it was fun. It was great. I loved it, man. Did you have to, do you experience any hurricanes at all at your time in Clement? Yeah. It, first season in Cancun. 
uh, you know, there was, I think it was uh, Roxanne and uh, it was coming right at us, man. Like it was definitely coming right at us. And I think that was actually the day that I was supposed to leave was the day that the hurricane was coming is the day that I was supposed to leave and go home uh, and have my little break before the Bahamas. And, uh, and the hurricane was coming. And so um, Yves Lebon uh, gathered us all together and he's like, guys, this is my fourth hurricane or something like that. And uh, it, that made me feel a lot better that he was on top of it. And so, you know, we ended up having to evacuate the village and um, we all went to the Cancun Convention Center and we were there, you know, for I think one night and uh, there was a bunch of other resorts that were also hunkered down there. And uh, Club Med was the only place that had food to hand out to all the, all the guests and uh, geos that were hunkered down. And, uh, you know, we went back to the village after the storm and it had really trashed the village. Like the scuba compressor from the scuba shack was over on the sailing beach and there was like, you know, piles and piles of sand everywhere. And, uh, you know, so I, I ended up having to stay for a few more days and help. Okay. Dig out of all that. I'm sorry. I have to ask because you, you, you had the, uh, I, I personally went through five hurricanes in my career. I hated everyone because of the cleanup. So, he, so this is true. You were the day before you were to leave, you would have gotten out of all of this, but you, yeah. you had to stay and you had to help with the cleanup. Yeah. And oh my you know, God, like, that's the worst luck I've ever heard. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> when I, you know, and uh, you know, like if you, you know, listen, club med is not all awesome. You know, there was, Definitely times where uh, I did not want to, want to talk to anybody where a GM would be coming towards me on the beach and I would be thinking to myself, please turn, please don't come see me. Please don't talk to me. You know, I was just like sick of, you know, uh, of the, of, uh, of it, you know, for at certain times. And I had injuries too, you know, like a, I would hurt my back or sprain my ankle or something like that. And that's it. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know a way to say, uh, hey, I need a day off because I knew that meant that my team would have to carry that extra weight. And so, you know, I didn't want to ever put them in that spot. And so, you know, at, also at that time, I was having really like debilitating lower back pain. And so I'm trying to like dig this sand. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be home on my freaking waterbed back in Miami. And I'm, uh, you know, digging sand and I could barely, you know, stand up straight. So yeah, you're right. It was that, that, that day, those couple of days uh, sucked for sure. <laughs> well, sorry to hear that. <laughs> so take you, the good with the bad, you know, that's right. Would you have time to tell us what, what you currently do now? Like you mentioned, you're a teacher, but you're, uh, you're also in the film industry, I believe. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, actually like in my life, uh, I have run away and joined the circus three times. And uh, the first time, was uh, Club Med. And then after Club Med, you know, and so I did um, six uh, different seasons. And after uh, Club Med, I was at a crossroads about what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I thought about corporate Club Med or, or you know, Club Med was just opening an office in Coral Gables. And so I sent in applications and thought about doing that. But then I, uh, a friend of mine was attending university in Orlando called Full Sail University. And uh, he was studying audio production, but he told me that they had a film program and he knew that I was always into movies. 
And so uh, I came to Orlando and it was appealing to me because it was a one year program because I didn't want to go back to school because I was so bad at it the first time. Uh, and so I, I ended up enrolling at Full Sail and it was really uh, perfect for me because it exposed me to what are realistic entry points to work in film production because I didn't know that. And uh, what I also learned, Greg, is that film production requires 12 to 18 hour days of being on your feet. And I said, oh, wow, I am uniquely qualified for that. That does not scare me because I went to Schmooze University where I stood up on my feet for 18 hours, seven days a week. So, you know, that was not uh, any barrier or anything that scared me. And I was like, man, I'm going to have an advantage over people because I can work those hours. And uh, so sure enough, um, I really took to film production and uh, I was like the valedictorian at Full Sail and uh, moved out to L.A. shortly after graduation uh, from Full Sail. I was able to get started. I had uh, learned about this internship program with the Directors Guild of America. And uh, I, I, I saw that that would be a real hookup for me if I could get into it, but it's really hard to get into. It's really competitive. Maybe they take like 15 or 20 people a year. And so uh, I wanted to do some research to improve my chances of getting in. And uh, there was a XGO internet page back then. And I posted on the XGO internet page. And sure enough, another guy who had been a geo had gone through that director's guild program. And so I was able to speak to him. Uh, his name uh, escapes me at the moment, but he, he pretty much walked me through the application. And with his help, I was able to get into this program. And, uh, you know, that was like 2002. And ever since then, ever since I got into that program, I uh, trained to become an assistant director. And since then, I've never had to send out a resume or look for a job. Uh, I, got, I was in uh, and I was able to back up that, you know, membership in that club with uh, work ethic and uh, charisma that I learned from with, uh, with Club Med uh, to, de to deal with all kinds of people, uh, elderly, gay people, uh, people from all over the world. And, uh, you know, it really, the, the things that I learned at Club Med helped me to stay in film world, you know, uh, for like the last 21 years. Uh, then the, the, the last time I ran away and joined the circus, uh, I saw uh, on the internet, there was a water propelled jet pack and a guy was flying around over the water with this jet pack. This is 2012, came about nine years ago. And uh, I, my eyes about popped out of my head. And so I made some phone calls and I got the inventor of this thing on the phone. And uh, we, we got to talking and uh, he invited me down back to South Florida to join his company, the startup water jetpack company. So, you know, at 40 years old, I left Hollywood, left my job in film production, moved back to South Florida, and I learned to be a jetpack pilot and instructor and i mean you know like windsurfing if you could teach windsurfing to people that have never done it before you could teach anything to people and so uh you know it was really fun and funny all those years later to come back full circle and to be a 
water sports instructor again. And so that was a extremely fun chapter that lasted about two years of traveling around the world and, uh, you know, teaching people how to do this thing, stay with, with club med friends in the South of France. And then that ended. And now for the last, uh, you know, about five or six years, I'm back in Orlando and I work at Full Sail University now. And now I teach uh, students about film production. And at the same time, I still work in film production. And so, Greg, uh, I got to tell you, man, I'm a happy and fulfilled guy. And uh, Club Med was the springboard for everything that has followed, if you ask me. Oh, you sound like someone that would re- recommend Club Med to uh, a future potential geo then, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Uh, any chance that I could get, you know, like it's it's really valuable. And, uh, you know, there's a thing now called a gap year that people take after high school to try to figure out more what they want to do. And so this, you know, Club Med was my gap five years, uh, you know, to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And, uh, yeah, that, you know, you mentioned uh, Shannon earlier, you know, I, I met her when I went back to club med, I think for the first time, uh, as a GM. And, you know, the reason that she remembers me is because I was have a few drinks and just tell her and all the young geos all night, how proud I am of them and what a great thing they're doing and how cool their life can be. Uh, if they, you know, really take the value away from the experience of working at club med and I'm a huge, uh, advocate and a cheerleader for geos and uh you know when i when i go back to club med as a gm and it's been a couple years and i'm really i'm really missing it you know i love spending time with the geos and i love to show them like hey you know really cool things can happen you know you're not wasting your time you if you if you uh appreciate what what this experience can can give you then uh you can really use it as a cool springboard into you know the next chapter of your life wow that is great yeah, can't man. think of a better ringing endorsement and uh i really want to thank you for sharing your story with us but uh i would like your story to continue on my other podcast about your time as a second unit director assistant director so i think i believe you have agreed to come on that one as well and then uh we could share it with uh, everyone else does that sound sure good? okay yeah love to Great, great. Well, everyone, that was from Miami, Florida, Mr. Larry D. Katz. Any last words, Larry? No, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I, I obviously, I love Club Med. Uh, it was, you know, one of the most significant things that ever happened in my life. And, uh, you know, I just really cherish those experiences. And so thank you, Greg, for, you know, uh, uh, inventing this podcast and, uh, you know, get, getting that chance to hear everybody's story. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you for coming on. That was Mr. Larry Katz, everyone. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.